Welcome back. Halford Abruff here on Sportsnet 650. Final hour of the show here. It's Jamie Dodd and Israel Fair filling in for the guys. Halford Abruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. This hour of Halford Abruff is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit campbell-pound.com Today, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Uh, we will read your What We Learn submissions coming up at 830. Still time to get them in, so hit us up. Hashtag WWL. But right now, we will check in on the Seattle Seahawks with Bob Condota of the Seattle Times. Uh, their training camp is in full swing. Bob, thank you for joining us. How are you? Good, yeah. How are you guys doing this morning? Uh, we're doing very well and uh, excited to chat a little Seahawks. So what, what has stood out so far over the first, uh, you know, not quite week of training camp at, uh, at for the Seahawks from you? Um, probably how they're, you know, uh, probably the rookies. I mean, it's always kind of the new stuff that, that stands out a little bit. Jackson Smith and Jigba, the receiver they took in the first round at, at 20, has really made it a lot of nice plays. You know, just kind of catches everything. And, uh, um, you know, every day seems to turn in a highlight. Uh, you know, meanwhile, Devin Weatherspoon, you know, we didn't see him the first couple of days. He was still sort of holding out. And, and now we're seeing them use him in a, in a lot of different ways and trying to figure out the best way to use him. And uh, it's really intriguing to see how they're going to how they're going to make that whole back end come together because they've got a lot of different parts back there. And right now, you know, it seems a little uh, it seems a little unsettled, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think they've got a lot of a lot of good players back there. It's just figuring out who's going to fit, who's going to fit best at which spot. But uh you know, that's something they're probably going to have to do at some point. Um, at, at some point, you know, mid-August or something like that, kind of settle on exactly who they want to use where back there. Yeah, Witherspoon obviously getting a lot of attention, a little bit of a surprise there with the the holdout for a couple of days. But now that he's been into camp, uh, they've got quite a bit of talent back there, as you said, and, and quite a few options. Uh, what what do you think Pete Carroll wants to see from that group? Like, what's important in the couple of weeks of camp and the preseason games uh, from a from a traits perspective, from a way that they're playing perspective that that Pete Carroll and, and the coaching staff wants to see from the secondary. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, ideally, you you wanted to see him be able to, you know, kind of play, I mean, play mistake-free football. That's that's always the biggest thing is, is you want to not make mistakes back there. And the more moving parts you have, sometimes the, the more the more apt you could be to make mistakes because everybody's got to know what everybody's doing at one time. And but you know, that was what they loved so much about kind of the old Legion of Boom was they really just had, you know, you had three core pieces of that for about eight eight nine years who all played really well together and always knew what each other was doing and they. They didn't make a lot of mistakes at all. And so, you know, these last three or four years, they kind of, you know, every year they, they've got some new, new pieces they're adding to it. This year, other than Witherspoon, you know, you pretty much have uh, a lot of guys back who've all played together for a little while. And so, I mean, I, I think that's what they're trying to get is a real cohesive group back there. Um, you know, individually, it's – it's. Uh, um, I mean, I mean, in defensive backs, you're looking for guys to cover receivers as well as you can, right? But one of the things they want to be is flexible and, and be able to match up against a lot of different things. And I think they felt like that was an issue they had for a few years was, was um, you know, being able to, um, you know, sometimes they felt like they got caught in some mismatches and some things like that. And that's part of why they want to go to, you know, being able to use five and six, six defensive backs at times and kind of rotate guys in and out is that sometimes maybe they'll think that, you know, player A will match up against 
a receiver better than, you know, a different player or something like that. So that's one of the other things they're trying to sort out is, you know, who best can kind of handle a lot of that stuff. You know, you mentioned the the rookie wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba as, you know, being a focal point at training camp. And I think any times, especially with skill position rookies, sometimes the hype can get a little out of control at training camp. You see the highlights and you hear the reports and you get really excited. But is he worth the hype at this point? Does he look like he can have a, a real impact on this Seattle offense in his rookie year? Well, you're right, because especially, you know, the first week of training camp is sort of designed for the receivers to look good. Yeah. You know, there's no contact. The defenders, you know, they can't even make a play on the ball. So, you know, so you literally see DBs get out of the way and let receivers catch it. And so, you know, you can see a video clip of something and, and maybe overlook that, the you know, the safety sort of moved out of the way nicely at the last minute because they're supposed to avoid contact. But, um, you know, he he's just sort of looked at, you know, going back to the spring the springtime, he, he just – a lot of balls go his way, and so I think that shows that the quarterbacks, especially Geno Smith, have a lot of confidence in him. And he just, like I say, he catches everything. And that that can sound dumb, like, oh, that's, that's their job. But but it is sort of the, the, the number one thing you need to do is be able to catch things. And, and uh, you know, he, 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 made a, he made a really nice one-headed catch in traffic of a, of a, of a I don't know, about a 25-yard pass or something in the back of the end zone a couple of days ago. Um, you know, on Sunday he had a real nice sort of toe tap in between a couple of guys in the back of the end zone as well. He just looks, you know, he just looks really heady. He just looks like he knows what he's doing out there, um, you know, getting in and out of breaks and, and, and things like that. And, and like I say, the fact that he, he does catch a lot of passes, I think shows that the quarterbacks are kind of looking for him already as well. Kenneth Walker was an impact rookie for, for the Seahawks last year. There's no doubt uh, so far at camp, uh, not, not doing much, uh, dealing with the groin, groin situation. Pete Carroll, in pretty classic Pete Carroll fashion, seemed to to downplay it. But what's the what's the read on on Walker and, and his preparations for this season if he's dealing with this particular injury? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't think the thought is that it's something that's going to impact it. You know, they don't play until September 10th, so I, you know he's got quite a while. But that's that's sort of why they're they're trying to do that now. You know, running backs don't necessarily need a ton of practice this time of year. You know, Marshawn Lynch rarely sort of rarely practiced at all during training camp. But you know, once Chris Carson sort of became that guy for a few years, he didn't really. Um, you know, usually they get him out there for for a few days, so they sort of knew how to work with the offensive line. But you know, they don't want him to get you know get a lot of wear and tear now. Um, but you know, it's, it's concerning enough that I think they hope he'd be out there a little bit more right now and, and be able to get some work. But, um, you know, again, it's, it's August one today, I think. So you've got quite a while to the regular season and he's not a guy who would do much in the preseason games, even if he were available. So I don't think that's, I don't think it's too overly concerning yet, but that's sort of the goal and, you know, having to not do much is to, is to sort of make it so he doesn't re-aggravate it and it becomes worse. Uh, another inter- interesting feature of uh, training camp in the Seahawks season, the return of uh, a franchise great in Bobby Wagner coming back to the fold. I mean, what's it been like having him back around the team early in training camp, and what kind of role and impact do you expect him to have on the defense this year? Yeah, well, well, he was back in the spring, too, so, you know, we saw a lot of the practices then, you know, the 15 or so that they had then. So, um, you know, I think they, I think they kind of – reintegrated him back into things but it's just you know it's going to be the same role he had before essentially i mean he's going to be the middle linebacker he's you know he's the green dot helmet guy he's going to relay the you know he's going to get the play call in from the from the defensive coordinator and relay it to the rest of the team and and have to and have to set the and have to set the front of the line uh, the front of the defense and stuff like that and um, you know what, what they're doing is a little bit different. You know, with the, with the three four fronts that they put in last year. So you know, he's talked about that a little bit. That it's uh, 
you know, you can end up maybe playing in space a little bit more and not just quite in the middle necessarily when you're one of the sort of the two linebackers um, in, in the way they do that. But I think that's something that he'll, uh, you know, he's, he's talked about this a lot, that it's it's really similar to what he did with the Rams last year. So he's, he's really familiar with it. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not 100% the same same defense that he was running when he was here before. But, in, it, but uh, you know, I think if you're the casual football fan, you won't notice anything. I think it'll look like he's just still the guy kind of right there in the middle of the defense running everything. Bringing back Bobby Wagner, just one of the changes that the, the Seahawks made in their front seven, that was an area that throughout last season was was targeted for criticism, and, and the team certainly in the offseason went out of their way to to bring in some some different players there and bring back Bobby Wagner. Uh, what's the key to, to getting more out of the defensive front, to have it be a, a bit more of a competitive part of, of the Seahawks team? Well, yeah, I mean, it basically is a completely different group. So, I mean, I guess that's that's going to be the key. It's hoping these players are better than the than the players you had last year doing running this defense. You know, I, when they're when they're in their three four, uh, you know, they're they're starting defensive line is three guys who weren't here last year: uh, Jaron Reed in the middle, and, and Mario Edwards and Draymond Jones at the end, and you know, all veteran guys. Obviously, uh, Jaron Reed played for for the Seahawks for a while, so he's really familiar with the. With the with the coaching staff and a lot of the teammates and stuff like that, but but they're asking they're going to ask him to play a different role this time than he did before. Being over the nose, he he wasn't really a, a nose tackle when he was here before. And then, you know, J- uh, Draymond Jones, they're they're you know the most money they've ever spent on a free agent in the Pete Carroll John Snyder era. So that sort of speaks to the role they hope he has. I mean, they hope he's a you know plays eighty five percent of the snaps or whatever, and and is, is kind of a real rocket at one of the end spots and, and, uh, and playing much better against the brother. He, he had a real nice day yesterday. The first time they put on pads and made a few plays in the backfield. So, um, you know, I think they like what they've seen out of him so far. And then Mario Edwards is kind of an interesting thing, but a guy they didn't sign until May, but I think they had his eye on him kind of the whole time of free agency. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he didn't, he, he really only had a couple of practices in the spring. So it was a little bit hard to get a read in the spring on exactly what they wanted to do with him. But he's been pretty consistently running with the ones that, uh, in their three-four uh, front, so um, you know, you, then you got Uchenna and Uso and, and uh, Gerald Taylor, still with sort of the, the edge rush guys, and so you know they each played, played yeah, came on and played well at times last year. But I think they're hoping for more consistency on the edge rush. But you know, then they've got two or three other young guys, including you know a couple of rookies, Mike Morris, uh, you know, the guy out of Michigan, he's going to play and a lot. Cameron Young from Mississippi State, I think he's going to play nose tackle a lot, and so. Um, you know, especially that interior front is a lot of new guys, a lot of new guys to the team anyway. And so that's really sort of going to be the key is it's, you know, been a real personnel makeover and just kind of hoping you made the right decisions there and hoping those guys are a better fit for what they want to do than the guys they had last year. Last year at camp, the quarterback position was obviously an area of focus. Not quite so this year with Geno Smith getting the contract, being entrenched as the number one guy. But uh, yesterday, the Athletic revealed their their quarterback tiers that that Mike Sando does every year. And Geno Smith came in at number 20. Uh, That was four spots below Russell Wilson. Uh, When you hear Geno Smith at 20 in the quarterback rankings in the NFL, where, where, where where does that land for you? I don't think that's completely unfair. I mean, I, obviously he played better than Russell last year, but I think the guys who, you know, I think I think Sando kind of uh, talks to a lot of execs around the league and stuff like that when he when he does those things. And, and I'm sure the perception of you know of, of Russell is still looked at as a guy that won a Super Bowl and, and went to a couple and, and for about ten years was as good a quarterback as there was in the NFL. So you totally you know you 
putting them in totally at the at the bottom from one bad year, or you know, are you thinking you can make a, a comeback this year? And then with Gino, I think that's sort of the, the sort of the opposite look, right? Is you know, a guy who really didn't play for seven years, and then last year played really well for the you know the first ten or eleven games of the year. Um, you know, I think he would admit that the, the last five or six games were a little bit more erratic. You know, a few more untimely turnovers and things like that. Uh, you know, they went from being six and three to finishing nine and eight and, and, you know, and then losing a playoff game. So basically, you know, starting six and three and finishing three and six. So, um, you know, they, they want to smooth those things out. And it obviously wasn't just the offense why they lost those games. They had some defensive issues, but, uh, you know, but a couple of those games got away with some, with some, you know, really, some really sort of bad turnovers at, at, at you know, opportune times. And, and, you know, the playoff game in particular was one of those. Um, so, you know, I think that's the question is, 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 you know, can Geno Smith be that guy that, you know, the first 10 or 11 games when he was as good a quarterback as there was in the NFL, can he now do that? Like, can he do it again and then do it for a full 17-game 17, 17 stretch and get a team into the playoffs and make a long playoff run? And, um, you know, Russell Wilson's won, what, 13 or four, or, or played in, you know, 15 playoff games. I think he's won eight or nine of them in his career. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's still it's still fair, I think, a little bit when you look at these guys to sort of look at the totality of the of the body of their work when assessing them. Bob, we always appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, doing this. And the season's just around the corner. I know September 10th feels like a long way away, but it'll be here before we know it. Thanks for doing this. Okay. All right. Thanks, you guys. That Thanks, is Bob. Bob Condota of the Seattle Times covering the Seattle Seahawks. And, uh, yeah, a very reasonable answer about Gino ranking below Russell Wilson. <laughs> that's not what they're saying in the Seahawks dressing room, though. They're, they're putting that up on the bulletin board, man. How dare they? How dare the athletic, Izzy? How dare your publication? As we've established, Jamie, if you don't have haters, you ain't popping. <laughs> so true. Uh, so true. Okay, you still have about 15 minutes to get your What We Learned submissions in. Uh, we still have, we, we got some good ones, but we still have time for a few more. So if you want to get your text read on the radio, hit us up, 650-650, hashtag WWL, what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. Uh, but before we get to yours... We will do some of ours here. It's only the three of us today. So, Laddie, I told you at the beginning of the show that I wanted some some real hardcore nerdy baseball, what we learned here. So we'll see if Laddie can deliver. Uh, but I know you have one first. Yes, I, I got one today. Uh, this is uh, news this morning that uh, there will be an additional broadcast of the Super Bowl this year. And it's the Nickelodeon broadcast of... Uh, of the Super Bowl. Right. If you've seen those Nickelodeon football broadcasts on the NFL uh, throughout the last couple of years, they did do one in the playoffs last year. Uh, it was a wild card game between Dallas and San Francisco, which across CBS, which is where the Super Bowl, the, the main broadcast will mm-hmm. be on, uh, between CBS and Nickelodeon, it was the highest watch NFL wild card game on any network in seven years. Uh, I think it helps that it was Cowboys 49ers, two historic teams, two pretty big markets. But uh, this shows that we are very much headed in the direction of giving people options. Yes. You know, it's not just simply we're CBS and you have to watch our one feed for coverage. They're even branching out to, to the Nickelodeon game, which, look, I'm, I'm not going to watch. You're not the target audience, you don't think? You guys have kids. Maybe you guys will pop, pop on that broadcast. Say, my, my five-year-old daughter would probably love the Nickelodeon <laughs> yeah, broadcast. Yeah. To see, like, what is it? The slime? The slime. Yeah, it's she big, would probably get a big, big on the slime. Um, and so that's you know we're we're heading to a place that even the biggest event, yeah, in North American professional sports is getting an alternative broadcast. Well, and I think in a way, I mean, it's you know I know the um, 
the college football national championship yes, has they done do, this for, um, where they have like the coaches. They have, like, four broadcasts. Yeah, they'll have the coaches. They have they the, two up. bias broadcasts. <laughs> they yeah. do. They have like, like in Alabama. They have an yeah. Alabama broadcast, and you know, let's say they're playing Clemson, a Clemson broadcast. Yeah. A coach's broadcast. I think they have like a stats one. Yeah, right. And then they have the traditional traditional broadcast. I mean, we've seen it with the Manning cast with Monday Night Football, right? Where you know on select uh, games, a lot of them introduced that. Yeah, and they were uh, absolutely hilarious during that Seahawks Broncos one. Sportsnet did the Steve Dangle games. That's true. Yeah, Big Head. (laughs) That was their version of it. Thank you for reminding us all. Watch a playoff game with Steve Dangle. But in all seriousness, we're going. The, the NHL is going to. I mean, once again, it feels like the NHL is lagging so far behind other sports on this, right? But the NHL is going to have to figure out their version of it, and it's not. It's not going to be as simple as just, "Hey, here's a kids one, and here's a watch with Steve Dangle one," right? Like, it's going to have. You're going to have to make it work specifically for hockey. But you're right; these types of broadcasts aren't going anywhere. We talk so much about what the NHL needs to do to grow the game. Well, if you still want it to be not just a successful broadcast product, but a growing one, a thriving one, right? You're going to have to start thinking outside the box uh, in terms like this. I like the coaches one in college football is fantastic. So I, I think there's a, there's no shortage of ideas out here to try the fact that the NFL doing it is doing it in the Super Bowl. This is something that the NHL has to get on board with sooner rather than later. Yeah, and look, uh, too bad it's not a Fox Super Bowl because it may be Sean. We have the Sean, Sean Payton. Payton cast. That would have been, that would be great. Sean Payton just well, letting it fly during the outdoor game. The NHL tried that VR style. I don't oh know yeah, I that. think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe there's something there. There's like something to do with the tracking, and then yes, they turned yes. them into video game characters. Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. there was a video game style broadcast. Uh, in the NHL this year. So they're trying. They're doing something. I don't know how successful it's just it was. that the NFL one, like the Nickelodeon ones got rave reviews. Yeah. Because the broadcast quality, like the, the, the actual technical aspect of the broadcast is very high with the fun wrinkles of being on Nickelodeon and engaging with <laughs> with the cartoon characters. Well, and I believe on the Nickelodeon broadcast, it wasn't Nate Burleson part of it? And Nate Burleson is like phenomenal I believe co- so. communicator and broadcaster and obviously a great NFL player. Like yeah. he he has the gravitas and the personality and the fun to kind of anchor a broadcast like that. So you kind of have to find those people too who can work within uh, that type of broadcast, a non-traditional broadcast. Uh, all right, Mook, how that one, Laddie? Uh, wh- wh- where you brought up Sean Payton there, I will uh, stick with the Denver Broncos for mine. Uh, what we learned, Russell Wilson and Sean Payton going to have to make do with a uh, less than ideal wide receiver depth chart, at least to start the season. Tough day for the Broncos wide receiver room yesterday. Tim Patrick uh, missed the 2022 season with a torn right ACL, was carted off the field on Monday after he uh, suffered a season-ending torn Achilles tendon in his left leg. So that's going to be two consecutive missed seasons for Tim Patrick. And then also receiver KJ Hamler, uh, this is scary, has to step away from the team with a heart condition, although it does sound like he's going to be back with the team at some point after treatment. Now, they do still have probably their top two guys in Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. So it's not like they're completely without uh, wide receivers. But, you know, we've talked a lot about how all of the hype and the noise around the Jets seems to be setting themselves up for failure. And I do wonder if Sean Payton, you know, we can try to read his mind and figure out what he was thinking when he was going after Nathaniel Hackett like that. 
but not an ideal start to the season for the Denver Broncos. I wonder if we're going to be saying something similar, like, wow, that really flamed out. Sean Payton came in and was supposed to completely turn things around for the Broncos, and instead it completely blew up in their faces. I just have a hard time seeing him taking the brunt of the criticism, even yeah. now with with some of the people taking that side from this back and forth that he's had now with, with the New York Jets and his comments. I, I just... I just feel like the understanding, at least my perception of people's view of the Broncos last season, was that it was a total mess, as Sean Payton said last mm-hmm. week, in that he's not a miracle worker. Nope. And in, in, unless Russell Wilson happens to be really good and then the team's bad, then, you know, like, Maybe Sean, but Sean Payton's supposed to be the quarterback guy too. He's, so his job is to turn around Russell Wilson. Really, like that's you would the imagine that if Russell Wilson is for. good, the team should be okay. Now, I, I just think he'll get. There will be patience for Sean Payton. There probably won't be patience for Russell Wilson, and what that means. It's interesting in terms of what it means for their decisions next off season and the commitment that's already been made to Russell Wilson. But I just don't imagine that. I think like they made a they go out and get Sean Payton because they want Sean yeah. Payton to lead the franchise for the next number of years. It is not a come in and fix this right away. And I could imagine that he's probably looking at this like, uh, okay, I've got a year to figure out just how bad this is. And he set the bar pretty high because he said it was the worst coaching <laughs> he job really he'd bad. ever seen last year. He said it was really bad. Uh, all right. Hit us with a moo, Caladdy. What do you have for us? Better be good. You've had a lot of time to work on it back there. I haven't been really looking into the stats today because it's been all about the trade deadline, right? Three o'clock Pacific time. Excuses, excuses. I've just been... Give him a chance. I've been a rumor hound. some gem here. Well, it's not really a gem. I'm just going to go over some (laughs) of the players that are rumored to be linked to the Toronto Blue Jays because it's a very fluid situation, you guys. It's not a gem, but it's informative. With the Bo Bichette injury. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. Uh there's a lot of discussion now whether the Jays go after an infielder, and there's not many available on the market right now because there have already been a bunch of trades. So Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox is the name that keeps coming up, yes. and Luis Robert is also apparently on the market. And if the Jays bring him in, that will be a significant upgrade as a hitter. Mm-hmm. No and, doubt. And uh, definitely hoping for something to happen in that regard. Obviously, the package in return would be quite massive mm-hmm. for a player like that. Uh, but that's the latest, I guess. With the, it all kind of hinges on this, what we're going to hear from Bobachet's injury, uh, whether that's uh, serious enough that they need to go out and actually get somebody, or if they're going to stand pat. But uh, it sure looks like the Blue Jays will make at least one other deal, whether it's major or minor. Something's going to happen, you guys. Louis, Luis Robert would be massive. Oh, that would be a a, blo- a true blockbuster deal. And he's the like Jays. the one White Sox having a good season this year. That's so a great year. Yeah. <laughs> That would be <laughs> immense for the Blue Jays to pick. Uh, that would be very exciting. We will see what happens in, uh, oh, six and a half hours here before Major League Baseball's trade deadline. All right, that does it for our What We Learned. Your last chance to get yours in. We'll take a break, and we'll read them on the other side. Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet, 650. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh. God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 
It sure is. Final segment of the show here on Halford and Bruff. Time for what we learned. Halford and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. This hour of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit campbell-pound.com today. What we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit GetFirePlan.com. Oh my god! We're having a fire plan! Uh, We will go into the Dunbar Lumber text line and print off some listener submissions here for what we learned. You can still get yours in late as well. Uh, This one from Adam, the former bath guy, says, What we learned, I learned that you guys are just like young elementary students. You hear something that you think is absolutely hilarious and keep repeating it for days, hoping for laughs, whereas we, the listeners, are the parents who just want it to stop. Uh, Adam, all I can say to that is, uh, if you ain't got haters, you ain't popping. I'm just trying to spread my wings and fly. Maybe maybe you'll suffocate. You're pecking at my neck, Adam. And listen, (laughs) hey. What do you want us to do? It's the summer. Nobody listened to the earlier shows. They'd have no idea. What's no what's idea what we're talking about. Um, They're not popping either. I can tell you this much. Adam, the former bath guy, not rizzing us up right there, and therefore will not be the new Drip King. That's correct. <laughs> as, as, that's At least as I understand it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Drip King hierarchy. The Drip King hierarchy. So uh, we've, somebody- been, we've been izzed up. Yes, well, yes, we are get, we are in the up. process of getting is up. That's by, correct by our guy Israel Fair. Uh, speaking of all of this ridiculous nonsense that we're talking about, Woodrow, the eligible bachelor, texted in what we learned: the Homer Simpson times Adidas shoe collaboration will be released later this month. The iconic Stan Smith shoe features heels heel tabs with Homer disappearing into the bushes. Whoever gets these will become the new Drip King. They won't even need to get rizzed up. By Libby. That's from Woodrow, the eligible bachelor, uh, who I, I, I'm mostly reading that text because I believe that Woodrow is behind my new favorite Twitter account. The handle, the name, the display name is Woodrow. The at is at Sod Club Commish, which is a take on Jason Bruff's handle. And the only accounts he follows are a handful of Simpsons meme accounts and then people directly related to this show, including me and Izzy. Yeah, we made the cut. We were just filling in. And I was very touched that Woodrow decided to follow us. I'm here like two weeks a year. Yeah, it was so I, I was actually very delighted that he decided to follow us. But he follows us, the regular host, you and a dog, and then like a handful of Simpsons meme accounts. Mm-hmm. And just every couple of days, he'll tweet us a funny meme from the Simpsons, kind of vaguely related to what we're talking about. And I gotta say, I'm really enjoying it. Keep it up, Woodrow. You're doing great work. And those shoes are pretty awesome. I don't know if I'd wear them outside though. I'd, I'd put them up in like a display case. Somewhere. Yeah, I'm not a uh, sneaker guy. No, I'm not really a fashion guy at all. Really, <laughs> don't put a lot. <laughs> of gave thought. it away. Don't put a lot of thought into what I wear. I've never been a sneakerhead. Just rocking the deep V's. <laughs> rocking the and deep you, V's. And you have nice sweaters. I do have nice sweaters. That's Art- what I think. Cardigan I think guy? Deep V's and, and sweaters. I like my clothes. It's just I recognize that nobody else does. <laughs> but that's all right. I like, I like your sweaters. Oh, thank you. All that matters. I appreciate that. Y- your sweater game is popping. <laughs> you know what they say. Uh, anyways, this one comes in. Gunner from Kelowna. What we learned. I learned that 25-year-old Kelowna resident Nick Pelche will attempt to break the world Guinness record for the fastest swim on Okanagan Lake from Penticton to Vernon. He starts his attempt today at 4 p.m. It's expected to take 40 hours. It's his third time 
trying to break the record. Uh, 40 hours is simply too long to swim. <laughs> That's simply too much <laughs> swimming for me. Don't care Need for a it. nap in there. Yeah, I need a nap in there. I also think, and hey, full credit to Nick, and I hope he does it. That would be really cool. I don't know that I would have three attempts in me. I think if I missed on the first two, I'd probably hang it up. We're like, well, I guess this is just not for me. Yeah. I'm not going to have this record. Not for me. But I guess that's why I'll never I'll, I'll, I'll never set a world record in something. I don't have that. Uh, I admire the perseverance. I do. The dedication. I do legitimately admire it. Uh, 650, 650, keep yours coming. I got what we learned okay. here. Uh, TR from Courtney says, what I learned after watching the baseball game on Apple TV, it really sucks when they're interviewing Merrifield during the game while playing second base. I thought it was possibly the most unprofessional thing I've ever seen done in the history of things done. Oh, wow. TR Courtney. Well, this is going to maybe anger TR and Courtney even more is uh, they're getting paid for those interviews out of pocket. Really? Yeah, they're getting paid. I don't know if it's cash, but they're, they're getting a bonus if they agree to be uh, mic'd up. And they get an interview. envelope like yeah, you get they, at your get shift at the end of the restaurant with your tips. It's like, here you go, Wit. So, yeah, that, I don't know if that <laughs> makes it better. Don't spend it all in one place, Wit. Does it make it better that the players are being? That's fascinating. So they have to agree to it, and they yeah. get a fee for agreeing to they it. Do. I don't know if it makes it better. You should know the guys that are doing it are really hurting for some cash right now. <laughs> uh, 650, 650. Uh, oh, yeah. I wanted to get into this. We addressed this yesterday. Kyle from Canmore texted in saying that Mike the Urologist was lying to us about how often his texts get read on the air in, a, in an effort for us to read his text to take pity on him. Uh, and Kyle from Canmore even said that he has contemplated faking, pretending to be Mike the Urologist from Brockville just to get his text read on the air. And early this morning, Mike the Urologist from Brockville uh, texted in. He says, what we learned, my handle is enduring public slander this week. So to clarify, last Friday, I said that I've texted a couple of times about Ultimate versus Pickleball to Halford and Bruff, but they don't read it. So I asked the same question to the Dodd Izzy team. It was specific to the text, not to all texts. Thankfully, over the years, H&B have given me plenty of airtime and read more than enough of my texts, presumably due to the pure volume of texts that I overload the inbox with. He says, turns out sports is way more interesting uh, than urology. That's from Mike the Urologist. <laughs> and then he says, or if you want to make this uh, more dramatic, I'm not worried about what Kyle from Camwar says because you're always going to have crows pecking at your neck. So you just got to spread your wings until the Kyles from Camwar start falling off and suffocating. If you ain't got no haters, you ain't <laughs> popping. It's from Mike the Urologist from Brockville. Clearing clearing his name after those accusations. So acceptable? I think reveal, so. You think so? I think so. I mean, I, I would have to go back Good and explanation. Look. I would have to go back and look at his the wording. Uh, text yeah. to... Look at his text to so see if it, if it was. I will go. I will dig into the archives. But if it was only that one text about Ultimate Pickleball he said didn't get read, or if there were other texts that he said, oh, I'm not getting read on the Halford and Bruff show. I'd have to go back and double check. But you know what? I, I can appreciate uh, I, I can appreciate what Mike the Urologist is, uh, is putting down there. Um, Cole from Calgary. This is an interesting one. He says, what we learned. Oh, yeah. I've got it here. It's right. uh, it's it's accurate. I've okay. asked Halford and Bruff this lots of times, but they don't ever answer me. So I'm trying you guys now. What I see. More of a sport, well, it's a little. Ball or okay. ultimate. It's, Mike, it sounds a little ambiguous. at Because at the time, you could think he's saying, they never answer me on anything I send in. But when you read it in that context, he's saying, they never answer this specific question. So I think that checks out. I think I think Mike the Urologist is in the clear. He's been here. cleared. Yep. He has been cleared of all charges. Uh, speaking of pickleball, I saw a clip of it 
I guess broadcast on ESPN. Yes. Why? <laughs> yeah, it is not not the most dynamic television product. No, I'm sure it's fun to play, but it's so close quarters that it's like what? It's like ping pong essentially. Yes, but, but like even oh. less entertaining, way less. Entertaining. Yeah, they're standing ping, on the table. Ping pong in the Olympics is super exciting. Oh yeah, those those guys are amazing. People that are really good at ping pong are fun to watch. Yeah, this. I don't know. Sorry, I, I don't really tennis. understand it. Yes, table, table tennis. tennis, of course. I know that ESPN, at this time of the calendar, they get pretty uh, creative. Let's put it that way. They even do their, like, the Ocho Day, which I don't think is coming up yet, but maybe they're setting up to include pickleball in the Ocho. I did see one of the things that's going to be on. It's August 4th coming up, which is ESPN 8 day. One of the things that's going to be uh, involved in that is a Microsoft Excel competition. Oh, so I'm intrigued. Who, who's the best at Microsoft Excel? What's the challenge? I, be? I don't I know. know. I, Is I, that I, why Bix been off? Yeah. He's just riding ferries, practicing his spreadsheet game. We might have to get Bix on to talk about the uh, the Microsoft Excel <laughs> championships here. Anal- give us some analysis. Where do these guys typically fall down? Like, what's the what's the challenge? Because you're right. I mean, presumably they're given a task. And then it's just the speed with which you can accomplish it mm-hmm. in Excel. I'm terrible at Excel, so how, I how quickly don't you come know. up with the formulas. Yes, how quickly you can <laughs> plug in the formulas. But that's a good point on Bick. Bick loves his spreadsheets. He does. Maybe he's gonna be sitting down and watching with a big bowl of popcorn here. Um I'd have to know more details. I wanna know. But I would watch. Well, it's com- hey, I'm sure you'll see clips going around on, on August fourth after it airs on uh, on ESPN. I wanted to get into this one from Cole in Calgary. Says what we learned. It's the two-year anniversary of the Ryan Gold transfer. Where do you think he ranks in the Vancouver sports zeitgeist? He says I would put him at fifth behind the Canucks Big Four and ahead of Vernon Adams. That's Cole in Calgary. That's an interesting question. Basically, how much name recognition does Ryan Gold have in Vancouver? And I, I guess it would depend on. If you're limiting it to self-identified sports fans versus just the general population. The thing is, I, I wonder how far down the Canucks roster you would have to go before you get to a player who is less well-known. It's a good Ryan way to Galt. do it. You'd have to go because it's obviously Pedersen, Hughes, Miller, Demko, Besser. There's no question. I think you have to go history, pretty far down. Kuzmenko at this point. Even people who aren't like popular players at this point, but like have a lot of name recognition, like Garland Myers, Mm -hmm. those types of players. He's definitely not fifth. He's way farther down than that. Ryan Gold. Like, is it the whole roster? Does he have more? Does Ryan? Okay. So does Ryan Gold have more? We're doing this strict name recognition. Yeah. Does Ryan Gold have more name recognition in Vancouver? I was going to go with Spencer Martin. Than Jack Studnicka. Ooh, Jack Studnicka is better than Spencer Martin. Yes. You think Ryan Gold has more name recognition than Jack Studnicka? I do. I think you're probably right. But it's very close. I But I think it's close. And I think that it's a good thought exercise for kind of illustrating the gap between the Canucks and the Lions and the Whitecaps, right? And I agree Vernon Adams would be the, the top Whitecap or the top Lions guy, and he's probably right there with Ryan Gold. My, I might even put him ahead of Ryan Gold because the Lions have had more yeah. success and they've got more interest, I think, from the general population uh, over the last couple of years. But yeah, when, when you're you're basically talking about, you know, do more people know Niels Amon or Ryan Gold? And it's probably Niels Amon. He's, he was a regular player for the Canucks this year. 
I, I don't know what to do with that, <laughs> with that information. Maybe people disagree with us, but it's basically the entire Canucks roster before you get to, um, before you get to Ryan Gauld. Uh, Detroit Brian says, I'm a huge sports fan, and I've never even heard of this Ryan guy you're talking about. I have heard of the other guy. He has heard of <laughs> Jack Stadnika. So there you go. Rager says he's in between Dakota Joshua and Philip Hronick. I mean, Hronick's an interesting one because he's we a high-profile player, but he lot. hasn't actually played really for the Canucks, just a handful of games. So he hasn't had a chance to kind of penetrate the consciousness of, of fans here. But we have more people texting in, who's this Ryan guy? So... I don't know. Maybe there's your answer, but it's not. It's not top five. It's not top ten in terms of oh, athletes with name recognition. It's close to twenty. Yeah, in Vancouver. Um, what we learned, I learned by watching the pickleball telecast on Saturday. There's a pickleball tour. This week it was in Seattle, so they don't have like city-based teams. They go on tour. It's like that three-on-three three hockey league. They just kind of go around different markets and show off how exciting it can be. They're barnstorming. That's what they're doing. Here come the pickleball. The slowest, least entertaining barnstorming tour of all time. And most annoying, according to some neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. That's why they have to barnstorm. They actually get kicked out of every neighborhood that they play in. <laughs> <laughs> they go to a city, and they're like, oh, this noise. Stop it. We hate this. Then they make a bylaw, and then they got to go somewhere <laughs> Give else. us our tennis courts back. Uh, that's very good. Um, somebody else texts in, I know more Abbotsford Canucks than Ryan Gold. I mean, that's a fair point. Like, Atu Ratu or Ryan Gold? Who has more name recognition? Seelovs or yeah. Ryan Gold? Jack Rathbone. I know in Latvia. In Latvia, well, yes. In Latvia, absolutely no. Absolutely no competition in uh, <laughs> in Latvia. It's more famous in Latvia than Elias Pettersson. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a hero yeah. there. You saw yeah. the crowd up yeah. there. No, no, was... They didn't even win. They got third. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what did Carly Lloyd think about that? <laughs> Show her the video. <laughs> Somebody put this video to Carly Lloyd. <laughs> this Despicable. This is a third place performance. Despicable. Uh, Daniel and Campbell says, uh, what we learned, the addiction to the Halbro show is real, and I'm not sure what's worse. You guys having to push through the dog days of summer with whatever content you can come up with, or that I still listen regardless of quality from 6 to 9 daily. Well, thank you, Daniel. I appreciate that. A little underhanded uh, I was going to say, that's too. a top-handed backhanded compliment. That is that's that is big time. Uh, you know what? I can't. Uh, uh, as long as you're listening. No, no offense taken. As long as you're listening. It's no offense taken at all. It's we all are good. here pushing through the dog days of summer. The, these are like the absolute peak dog days of summer, as I get a, a nice email notification there. Um, Very Halford th- of you. This is especially now. Yeah. Especially now with the uh, with the Canadian women eliminated from the World Cup. Because if they go on a nice run, you that, that's a, that a real been fun. like a yes. feature, something to focus on, something to build our shows around, get guests on. And we had a good run talking about them yesterday, but now that's over, and you're looking at this kind of dead zone in the calendar. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's along those lines says, "What we learned, I learned the NHL season can't start soon enough. Also, the New York Jets will finish last." In the AFC. I'm guessing he means last in the AFC East there, but he said last in the AFC. I can see the Jets coming in third. I have a tough time seeing them finish behind the New England Patriots, but you never know. If there's any team that can pull it off, it's the Jets. I'd love to see it. (laughs) 
Uh, somebody else texts in, doesn't Russell Tybert have more name recognition on the Whitecaps than Ryan Gall does? That's probably true, just because of longevity. Just the tenure. Yep. Yeah. If you were going to most well-known, if you just ask somebody on the street name a Vancouver Whitecap, I get you're probably getting more Russell Tyberts than than anyone else at this point. Somebody else says, who is this Gall guy? The BC Lions are way more known. I agree. Vernon Adams is above Ryan Gauld in the pecking order of, of Vancouver sports. And I think that's traditionally been the case, that the BC Lions quarterback is kind of the the highest profile non-Canuck athlete. So is Russell the Tybert the most well-known, famous Whitecaps player of the of the MLS era? He's got to be, right? I mean, you ha- I think at when they were here and at their kind of peak, like Kendall Waston might have been there. Yeah, he was maybe, big. Maybe Pedro Morales for, uh, for, for, us, for yeah, David Ustad. Well, like Davies. Oh, Davies, yeah. that's fair. That, he wasn't here very long, right? No, yeah. it's Davies. It's not even close. Well, no, he wasn't, it's it wasn't Davies. But he wasn't like an established. He was very young. I mean, he had he had a really good season. He did. Them. Yeah. I'm not saying he, well, he didn't, but it's just in terms of name recognition. No, no, it's he, clearly. He picked up a lot of that clout after leaving Vancouver. That's true. But he was extremely well-known here. He was a big deal. Uh, a very, very big deal uh, when he was here. Um, this guy texted back in about the Whit Merrifield. He says, not to be rude, but I wanted you guys to comment on the fact that Whit was doing an interview while playing second base. It was ridiculous. How could he possibly be fully engaged in the game while being well, This happens a lot now. ESPN I talk to myself all the time. Too. I mean, it's baseball. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to tell you. I talk to myself in goal all the time. I'm having full conversations with myself, so it's it's doable. It is tough when someone's talking Sometimes to you. Sometimes it's awkward. Here. I've seen yeah. some of them on ESPN, and they mostly talk to outfielders. So a middle infielder is a little different. Or like, first a base. Different. A little different. Yeah. First yeah, base, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. a bunch of times. Joey Votto do it. Yeah. Um, it. It's something that they're, MLB's trying to do to keep people engaged. I'm not sure how interesting it is. At the All-Star game, they had multiple people uh, mic'd up. They had pitchers and hitters mic'd up at the same time. Well, they had Hendricks last year swearing on the they mic. Did they did have Hendricks last working. year. <laughs> yeah, they had him dropping a lot of a lot of f bombs. Every which was pitch. Funny. <laughs> that was cool. Uh, what we learned from t- says uh, what we learned. Timur Bilyalov is the best goalie to not play in the NHL. He says I can think of a couple reasons why he wouldn't come to North America. Uh, but do you think teams have blackballed him, or do you think he just wants to stay in Russia? Look at this man's stats. He says Canucks backup, maybe. I'm going to throw this one to you, Balak. Do you know this goalie who's playing in the KHL? Russia is kind of my bl- my blind spot. Oh, no. So I have not heard of him. Uh, I I do know that if it's KHL numbers or MHL numbers, goaltending numbers, take them with a heavy grain of salt. Uh, their goals scored are far lower right. than in the NHL mm. or you see in junior leagues. So... I'd have to watch tape of them and see, but uh, definitely, like I said, Russian Russian goalies are kind of my blind spot, so I, I don't he's, know much about him. He's twenty eight. He's only five foot ten, so yeah, that's probably that probably why. eliminates him from consideration for a ton of NHL teams right off the bat. Plus, the Canucks are loaded; they've got all their goalies. They've picked. got a lot of depth. Yeah. Now, you might there still might be questions about the there still might be questions about the. Um, Talent level, yeah, like and, and, and well, specifically, <laughs> the spots who, are taken up. specifically who's going to be the backup? Yeah, right. the, the the numbers are there. It's just how they end up in the pecking order Correct. and who gets the backup spots. But they don't necessarily need extra bodies. They're not going to sign. They up. have that. It's just a question of figuring out uh, who is going to slot in where in the system. They already signed their their free agent out of Europe. That's Tolapilo. Yeah, and he's going to play in Abbotsford next year. Uh, Dan texts in. Vanny is probably the best known current white cap. Vanny Sartini. That's probably true. 
I don't know if you great can interview here. He's got the he's most personality. He's definitely for sure. he's the most likely to pop up on social media or you know get people to take notice, take a sure for off. something he's said or done. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That is that is definitely a possibility. I don't know if you can count the coach uh, though right now. Uh, Although Mar- I think in this case, Vanny might be more well known than the head coach of the Lions. I think that's definitely true, just because of personality. Yep. Just because of that, Rick Campbell's accomplished and... a lot in the CFL and is, is a good coach. But... Mm-hmm. And I think in general in the CFL, you tend to gravitate more towards the quarterback, right, as the kind of face of the team. Yeah, although in the community, unless you're there, unless you're Wally. Yeah, Bono. that's true. That's fair. Unless you're or Dave Dickinson in Calgary, I guess, who's been there. He was also you, the quarterback. You yeah, get the, yeah, yeah, you get the double whammy. <laughs> uh, Marcus and Gibson says, uh, "Can Ryan Gold play right D?" Don't think so. Don't think so. Unfortunately, uh, he's a right Marcus shot. Marcus and Gibson just doesn't work. The thing is, he's also not very tall. No, he's not very tall. He he would he would have to be uh, an extremely puck moving, skating defenseman. Use this in a tall defenseman. Well, I'll, I'll get the uh, let's get the height here. Ryan got to be like five eight, five nine, something like that. Oh, it's 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 in meters. I don't know. Oh no, jeez, oh, <laughs> meters and centimeters. <laughs> the one he's metric five, this generation doesn't. He's know. five six. Oh wow. Uh. Final minute of the show here, 650, 650, 56. Yeah, that's that's gonna be tough to to cut it in the in the NHL. Even in today's That's listed NHL. five six, by the way. So. Listed five six, yeah. So probably, probably five, five, five foot five. Yeah. With his cleats on, five foot six. There you go. Gets the little uh the little bump there. Uh Marcus and the Gibson's, little boost. Yeah, the little boost. What a freaking boost. There you go. Uh Marcus and Gibson says, What we learned, I learned Bick is such a Microsoft Excel master, he still calls it Quattro Pro. I don't get that reference, but I'm sure it's a great Microsoft Excel joke. Thank you to Marcus in Gibson's. Uh, It's Major League Baseball trade deadline day. We will have the recap of the show tomorrow. Keep it locked here to hear what goes down. Uh, You've listened to Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet 650.